Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast. On the mic today, we are joined by Dylan Moore. Uh, Dylan is a longtime service side member. He's been in since 2017 um, and is uh, all over the place. Dylan travels. Um, he is uh, guides out in New Zealand. Um, big reason we wanted to jump on this podcast also. Um, but what's going on, Dylan? Uh, what you been up to, man? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Uh, end of season coming here. Just been working on guns, getting everything cleaned up, ready to go for next year. Nice, man. And how uh, how did your season go, Get coming back into the States and kind of diving right into it? Because you came right back, like right when season was about to start, right? Yeah, I pretty much uh, – I went, got, got off the plane. Uh, first day I was back. As soon as I made it back, started checking trail cameras, and uh, it was – Two days after I got back, we started goose hunting. Uh, did pretty well there. I mean, waterfowl was a, it was a good year for waterfowl. We did really well. I think we ended up at like, uh, I think it was 89 geese and I think somewhere around 30 ducks. So we had a good year. Good year waterfowling. Yeah, i definitely say so. Did you get to do much? Uh, you, I don't know. It wasn't this year, right? It was last year you hit your uh, <clears throat> triple trophy. Yeah, last year I got the triple crown. Uh, what was it? Uh, buck and muzzleloader, turkey and spring gobbler, and a bear with my bow. Dang, man, that sounds like a, a super awesome adventure there of going from the triple crown to obviously being always, you know, you've been an avid hunter and fisherman, especially as, as long as I've known you, which is, you know, when I joined. Um, but uh, <clears throat> going from hitting the triple crown and then going over to New Zealand and then coming back, and it looks like you did a lot of a lot of buddy hunts and and definitely took advantage of getting out there with your friends you know doing drives i'd seen you you guys went coyote hunting or well you were deer hunting and it turned into a coyote hunt but um, <laughs> also i seen you got some fall turkey actions with the 410 um yeah i mean i, I mean i definitely have a great group of guys here that i hunt with and we're all super passionate and super dedicated uh so it makes it really nice to get out with them uh, like the fall turkey hunt, we decided, uh, me and my buddy, we both have old H&R 12 gauges, and we decided to do, uh, we called it a tradition hunt. So we took the, took the old break actions out and got it done in fall turkey. Oh, is that what so that, that was? That was a good time. I was looking, I yeah. was like, is that a 410? I couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't really tell. <laughs> now we broke out the old single actions for a day, put the semis aside. Nice, man, nice. So... Let's let's talk a little bit about New Zealand here. So, how did you kind of? I guess let's start from the beginning. How did you kind of get into that? Like, how did you you know did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm heading to New Zealand? Or, well, it was it was kind of one of those things where like, you get tired of your everyday job and everything. And me and my buddies were sitting around uh, talking, and pretty much we started talking about like what kind of what we wanted to do. And uh, I mean, guiding is always been a dream of mine and New Zealand has always been a dream to see so that kind of sparked my interest and decided you know what I'm gonna see what it takes so I started looking around uh, messaging all kinds of different people asking tips tricks what the requirements were what you had what you needed to do it and everything like that uh, and I actually got ended up emailing a guy uh, James Cagney and I talked to him for a few weeks and here it turns out that he was the president of the New Zealand Guiding Association. 
Uh, so he gave me a couple phone numbers and a couple contacts, and I started calling and emailing, and then it was just Zoom meetings and figuring everything out and made it happen. Dang, man. I tell you what, we, you know, that's a topic that we always end up uh, jumping on at almost every episode is how important like just networking and getting out there is. I talk to so many people, <clears throat> literally, man, hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and they all out there, you know, how do you get in the hunting industry? How do I do this? And I'm like, I, I know it sounds simple and it may be cliche, but like talk to people, get to create relationships. Sometimes it happens overnight. Sometimes it takes years, you know, it's, there's no time limit. There's no secret sauce. There's no written playbook. Cause if it was every single person be doing it, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, just, I mean, the more people, you know, the better. And I mean, there's always that chance that you can meet the right person, but I mean, just even for the sake of just making the friends and having the good times and everything, it's just so much worth it getting that networking out there. Oh yeah, for sure, man. You know, I'm, I've always been a big believer in networking as king. And, um, you know, I think the people that network the most and get out there and, and, and just meet people you like, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you're trust me if you do it enough you'll meet somebody you probably won't want to be with again or hunt with maybe you don't click whatever um it happens you know it doesn't happen often but it you know it does happen so you know definitely getting out there and uh i'm glad you you definitely took that initiative because that's one thing i mean some people can do it i'm the same as you i can't do it if i didn't enjoy what i was doing every day i uh I don't, you know, I don't, that's definitely not a position I want to be in. I mean, it does have a catch 22. You never stop working when you love something, but. Oh yeah. And whenever you're doing something you love, I mean, they always say, what, what do they say? Yeah. Never work a day in your life when you're doing what you love or something like that. So oh, it definitely man. helps out whenever you start chasing those dreams and passions like that. For sure. Now, kind of how was the experience getting over there? I mean, did they kind of help you get over there? Did you have to do any certain training or? Uh, yeah, well, they, they uh, helped me get over there, helped me set everything up and everything I needed to, helped me with my visas and my flights. I, I mean, there wasn't really um, much for requirements other than because uh, over there it's such a new ball game. I mean, hunting here in Pennsylvania is, is one thing, but you start going over there, like it's a completely different world. So kind of just like uh, learning the stags, learning how the animals react, the mountains are and everything like that, and pretty much just jumping into it full force. Now, what kind of game or quarry are you guys going after there? Uh, some of our main, well, our main ones are the red stag and the mountain tar. Those were two absolutely phenomenal fun hunts that we did while we were over there. Uh, some of the other ones are the fallow buck. Uh, our par ram. Uh, every once in a while, guys want to go after the feral pigs. They got a good bit of feral pigs over there. Guys love shooting. Uh, let's see. What am I forgetting? Do you guys do any bird, turkey, waterfowl, or anything? Uh, well, they do have a duck season and everything. Like they have the paradise ducks, and they actually have a huge amount of Canadian geese. They're actually considered a pest over there. Oh. Uh. Yeah, but the waterfowl is pretty good. Uh, oh, that's the one I forgot. A uh, chamois. Chamois is a big one over there too. Kind of, I think they're in the antelope family, but oh. they're actually like a little goat with a curved horn that are up in the mountains. Really cool. I'm gonna look right now. 
So, what what would you say so far is your favorite you've went after? Um, my favorite has to be the mountain tar. Yeah. Uh, whenever we were whenever we were hunting the tar, uh, we would leave the lodge, we'd get in a helicopter, fly up into the mountains, and there was a hut in the mountains we'd stay at. Now, I mean, we are in the middle of nowhere, probably about a twenty minute flight up, and you just stay up there, stay in the hut for three to five days. You take all your gear up. You need you know, you'll need over that time all your food and supplies and everything. And you just start hiking, looking for the right one, looking for a good size, old, mature bull, uh, making a move on them and making it happen. Dang, nice man. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> being off the grid, I bet you that's a that's a whole experience there, especially if you go out of country and then go off the grid. I mean, you've probably been off the grid a few times in the states, haven't you? Uh, a few times. I like I like getting out there where not many people have been. For sure. Now I just looked up that chamois. That that's definitely like a that's a pretty big goat. I mean, well, I mean the pictures are obviously closed in, but I can see the curved the curved horn. Do, what, are they and everything's good table fare there? All the game that you're hunting. Oh uh, well, the animals do get pretty old there. Like uh, whenever we shoot a tar, it's averaging like uh, probably six to twelve years old. Really. So by that time, they're they're getting uh, pretty tough to eat. And the stags are kind of the same way. They're getting to be older, and we're getting up there in the years, so they start getting tough. Dang. But like uh, the fallow buck, oh, my gosh, is it amazing. Fallow buck and uh, some of the wapiti they get out there, the elk, those are fantastic too. Now, are these native species of that island, or are they, you know? Uh, no. Uh, as, from what I know, uh, New Zealand actually has no – like no native animal like that. Like uh, everything was introduced. It's just what flourished and what took. And like, uh, well, the mountain tar. They're Himalayan mountain tar. Um, and there's actually a few places you can hunt them in the states. But one of the biggest populations is in New Zealand, and you actually can't hunt them in the Himalayas anymore. Uh, so that's one of the populations that really took over there and thrived. Looking that up too. Hey, so <clears throat> let me ask you, um, what's what's it running? What's it usually typically running? Someone, you know, if I was just say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm heading out there tomorrow. What what are you kind of looking like roughly? Uh, well, depending on what you're going for, like uh, our stags, our stags are graded by the inch. Uh, so like uh, for Monarch, uh, the outfitter that I'm with, uh, they do a they start out at a 360-inch stag, and they do it in set, uh, segments, like 360 to 400, uh, which I think was seven grand. And then they go up from there, like a 400 to 450, 450 to 500, and running those segments. And I think, oh, and I think a 500 was around. Can't remember if it was 11.5 or 12 grand. But then, like uh, mountains are doing a mountain tar hunt uh those were seven grand also but then you're also paying like you have that all the helicopter fees and everything like that going with it too right so i mean it's it's going to be up there for uh i mean anytime you go out of country i mean even going out of state can be can be pricey we're working on things now with our hunt link program where we're trying to help people kind of bargain shop state hunting but i know going out of country i mean that right there is going to be 
the upwards to I mean it sounds like you're probably looking at like close to like anywhere between like thirty to fifty thousand dollars when it's all said and done. Or, well, or I feel like in, I'm high. In my mind, women, I I'd say that's a little bit high. Uh, I mean, to me, one of the biggest things is the flight because it's anywhere from a twenty to forty hour flight. Uh, round trip can be anywhere from two grand to four grand. So that's a big, just getting there is a big part of it. But then depending on what animals you go to, cause I, like if, if you want to shoot a red stag and a tar, you want to add a fallow buck. It's, it's definitely a hunt you have to plan for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, if it's, you said it was like around 12,000 for the stag or the fallow deer. Yeah. Yeah, some of the big, well, some of the bigger stags, yeah. So twelve thousand, two thousand. So I mean, we're at around fifteen thousand right there. And then I mean, obviously you gotta do food. Now, is it like you're working for a guide service? Do you guys have like, like um, you know, the lodging and like just the guide feed where you come out, they feed you everything for like a set price, or is it kind of all just mixed together? Yeah, uh, it's all it's actually all included in the price. Oh. Uh, so, like, uh, we have a lodge. Uh, the hunt block, everything. So pretty like you're paying the set price and then staying in the lodge and everything. We'll pick you up from the airport, bring you down, get you hunting, take you back, all that food while you're there and everything's provided and all that. Awesome, man. And what, throw that plug out there. Who, uh, who is it? Who are you working for? Uh, they're called Monarch New Zealand. I mean, they are a phenomenal country. Uh, the owner, uh, Lou Cremato, was actually a professional rugby player for New Zealand. Awesome guy. Really? Um, he, he was great to hang around with and just a fun guy. Awesome, man. So I take it you had a pretty good year, and it sounds like you're going to be heading back there. Yeah, getting ready to head back here in a few weeks. Uh, I think I land February 23rd back over in the South Island. Oh man. So did they kind of like have like a, um, I mean, were you just kind of considered just like an employer? Did you kind of have like a probationary period? Like where they were like, Hey, we'll see how the season goes and comes back. Cause I mean, I know, I know a lot of guides and I know some that do the trial in the beginning and they either don't meet the requirements or it's not for them. Is it, was that kind of how it was or. Yeah, this is, that's pretty much how it was for me. Uh, this last time I was there, it was kind of a short stay. Well, short stay and a little over three months. Uh, but went over and it was basically kind of like that probationary period, like you say, where figure out is like if I jive with them and they jive with me, which I mean, we all got, I think we all got along really well and they invited me back. So definitely must have done something right. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't, I don't feel you would have got an invite back if you weren't doing well. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm really curious. You had said something a little bit ago um, about like it's kind of a newer thing in New Zealand. Did they just like open up hunting or is it just one of those like sleeper things like how Hawaii is where until Meat Eater made an episode, I doubt there was many people that knew you could go to Hawaii for like less than a thousand bucks and hunt, you know? Well, like the way I see it is like, at least I've always been told is New Zealand is kind of one of those places like, like it's always been there, but it's kind of one of those bucket list items that everybody just thinks about it and crosses off their list. Um, which I mean, truthfully, I do think it's a little more accessible than people think it is. I mean, yeah, the, the flight definitely isn't fun, but getting over there is definitely, definitely worth it. And the experience that you can have 
Well, you know, I've always been a firm believer that some of the most miserable, like, logistics that you can do in hunting, even sometimes hunting itself, usually the, the worst days are, are the most rewarding. And you look back and, you you know, it's like a tattoo. You almost forget about all the stuff, you know. It's just the, the final product in front of you. <clears throat> now, um, so, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty happy with your decision to kind of leave the States and, and tackle new quarry and... You know, you're young enough that you can still hit it hard and do a bunch more stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm phenomenally happy that I did it. Uh, it was just an absolutely amazing experience, and I can't wait to keep it up. Uh, just loving what you do every day and going out and having the passion and, like, seeing, like, how happy your client is whenever they shoot a monster stag or something like that. It's just, it makes it so much worth it. And with, uh, with being as young as I am, I'm the plan right now is to do this for a few years. Then, uh, the next, the next try is going to be whether South Africa or Australia. Oh, nice, man. That would be, uh, that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the website now. So I brought up the red stag and the Himalayan tar, um, through monarchpursuits.com and for four nights, um, I mean, it's actually a good bit. It looks like it's um, six days altogether. It's four nights of hunting, a uh, night at a winery, two nights in Topeka, Topeco, two nights in Queenstown, scenic flight, uh, car rental, all that stuff. And it's saying twenty three nine 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 nine. So about $24,000 for that. That's not too bad at all. And that's inclusive for two people, it says. Yeah, and uh, well, Monarch does a lot of different packages like that. And, like, one thing I think it's really cool that they do is they definitely try to accommodate, like, uh, so if you bring your family with you, uh, they try to make sure they keep the wives preoccupied right. and everything like that, like with the wine tastings or uh, there's different, like, glacier flights or the jet boats or anything like that that they keep people doing just to keep the fa family busy, too, while everybody's out hunting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I do a lot of hunts around the country through the Service Side Hunt Link program, and, you know, it's some of them I don't take the family on, and, you know, something like this, especially going you know, across country, I mean, across the um, world, you know, it definitely uh, doesn't seem like a crazy, I mean, because that's inclusive for two people. I mean, there's there's plenty of plenty of things for the uh, husband or wife to do and uh, while the other one's hunting. Oh, yeah, and I mean, definitely keeping everybody busy, keeping everybody happy. That's, that's one thing to strive for that we, that they do really well at now. I mean, there's, like, yeah, I think actually on the website, I think there's a, a side page, like all the different things that you can do, like there's glacier flights and the different things like that, that just really cool add-ons that you can do to the hunts like that. Yeah, no, that's smart, man. I love that. I love that this guy that created this was thinking of outside the box or team that created it um, because I'm looking at the website and... Um, it definitely, you know, well watching all kinds of stuff. It's definitely, sounds like a good outfit for you to get into because I've actually never seen, um, I've never done any guided hunts, but I've never actually seen a page this, um, you know, detailed with other topics. It definitely sounds like it's targeted for that family man or family wife where one of them hunts and the other one don't. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, some of the hunts that we did there, uh, we did we did have a few wives come out with us, but most of them wanted to hang back, go like the wine tasting was a big one, and different stuff like that, and just go. But it's nice too because uh, New Zealand is such an absolutely beautiful place. There is so much to see. It's well, hell, anywhere you go, you look out the window, and it's just an amazing view, whether it be the ocean or the mountains. So, like, it's definitely something that's nice that you can take them out, get them to see that and experience that. Like, it's just absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah, man. I'm You got me. I'm going to have to stop looking at his website. I just put it down because I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to end up having to try to book, start saving up money, get me a five-year plan <laughs> over here and and be dropping some money. I mean, when you look at twenty $24,000 for two people to go across the world and, and experience a different thing, and it literally has a whole bulletin area of different things to do that's that's pretty legit man you, you definitely sound like you got in a a good outfit there and uh i'd definitely keep rolling with it but south africa and and uh australia i'm sure that's gonna be but you're young enough you're still young enough you could probably do both of those all three yeah i mean the hope is to get around i mean and hopefully i can find other outfitters like monarch i mean they've been amazing the entire team is uh but if hell, if I could get in with people like that over in South Africa, I'd love that too. Cause just can't beat the hospitality, the friendliness, the getting along with everybody in the camaraderie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they definitely seem to have set the bar extremely high, um, for sure with, with how a guide service should be presented there. And, you know, it definitely, you know, you've always had good things to say about them. So, um, I know I'm eventually going to get out there. I, I've been looking at the, uh, I mean, the fallow deer and the stag, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd be on that, but the, the tar is definitely something that I, uh, I always wanted to head out to like, you know, Afghanistan or whatever, one of the Kakistans or one of the stands and hunt those, uh, those are tar too, right? I think they're, uh, maybe they're not tar. There's something else, but there's a goat out there, longhorn goat. I, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Is it the... The ibex? Uh, no, it's not the ibex. It's um, man, someone's probably listening to this podcast right now, like yelling, yelling, yelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is what it is. <laughs> I know it's. I thought for some reason it was a tar. I thought it started with a T, um, but that could be the country that it's in. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, with all the different ones over there, you never know. Oh man, I can't remember. It'll irk me, but. Um, that's always what I wanted to go out to, but man, you got to almost like sell your firstborn for that one. <laughs> oh, there's some of them that get pretty, pretty expensive. Yeah, this is. Like I know uh, some of those hunts over in South Africa, they can get pretty, pretty pricey too. It's not the ibex. I see the ibex here. It's not that. It's something else. I could have swore it was a. a t oh, here it is. It's a. It's in Iran. I keep seeing Ibex. I'll end up finding it. But, um, yeah, man, those goats are definitely alluring. We had a guy that went to um, – Colin Kitt recently went to Hawaii. I think he put in for, like, a draw and was like, I'll never get this. <laughs> Ended up getting it. <laughs> and literally was like, well, I did it. I want to say, dude, it was something crazy. It was like $4 to draw or something. It was some ridiculous, like, low price. And I'm like, man, like, you. I bet you everyone's doing that now. But he uh, – he did that and ended up scraping the money together and stuff. Ended up going out there and that's what fascinated him too. He uh, the, those goats, man. That's definitely something unusual, you know. Oh yeah, and it's always it's always surprising how many people like uh, love the goats and like 
want, want to shoot all the different species and everything like that. Uh, I could definitely and get I mean, into that for sure. It, I mean, it's definitely some physical and taxing hunting. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, they get up there in the mountains and all the hiking and everything, hiking, glassing, camping out. Like it de- you definitely put some work into it. I can see why it's addicting. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, with something like that, that's one thing that allures me. I'm like, I don't want to go to no ranch or no farm or this ain't no dig at high fences. But I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to go somewhere where, like, you mess up, like, you might not make it back. You know, like, I want to go in yeah. the mountains and really hunt them because to survive, for an animal to survive in that type of environment, like, that's your core, like, that's the quarry I want, you know? Oh, definitely. It, it definitely gets, uh, the more you put into it, the more you get out. Definitely more passionate about it and everything, and definitely a better feel whenever you get it done. Now, let's, that's actually a great uh, little segue into a, a question I was thinking of. And feel free, man, when we're doing this, to interject anything that you feel like you want to throw out there. But um, you, we had talked about the terrain out there. I mean, are we looking like like Rocky Mountains? Are we looking Appalachian Mountains? Like, what would you kind of classify near? Is it its own beast? Well, um, it depends on where you go, because like, uh, so out whenever you get closer to the coast and everything, uh, it's not as uh, hilly, mountainous. And I, well, I like I grew up hunting in PA, and uh, up in Renova, there's a. Uh, well, it's probably one of the biggest mountains I had ever touched before going over to New Zealand. And I mean, even just they're like right off the coast. I mean, I think it's like 30 miles off the coast or something like that. Is it, it puts the mountains here to shame. Really? <laughs> and you get up there, you get up there into the, in the tar country and it's, it's definitely pretty crazy. Like you're not just going a couple hundred feet. Like you're hiking, you're hiking for miles up across benches and up the sides of mountains. Like it's definitely, um, I, I, I wouldn't compare it to the Rocky mountains being as there's still a young mountain range and everything, but it definitely isn't far behind. Now, do you, do you personally do anything to physically get ready for this or are you just still kind of in that? You know, I, I know you're active. I know you're very active. Um, and that's just from what you show. You know, that's not even the stuff you probably don't show. But I know you fish. You're an avid fisherman. You you get out to remote spots. You're not a get out the car and walk 20 yards. And do you have to physically, do you do anything to kind of prepare for this? Or while you're there, do you do anything? No, uh, like whenever I originally went over, like I was pretty much worried. Like, oh, man. Running, running the PA hose isn't going to be enough. Like I got to get into, I got to get into better shape. And I mean, in, I am a very active hunter. Uh, I love to walk. I love to hike. I love to go as far as I can and pretty much do anything that's physically demanding. So to get ready the first time, I actually started just going to the gym along with the hunting and everything, the fishing. I just started going to the gym every day, uh, lifting weights, working on cardio, everything like that to kind of prepare for it over there. And whenever I got over there, I was like, holy hell, I didn't do enough. So now that I'm back, now that I'm back, I'm still doing the same, the hunting and fishing, walking as much as I can. Like I told everybody driving this year, I was like, I want to walk every drive. I don't want to sit. So just keep, just keeping active as much as I can. And I'm still going to the gym every day, just working on like a, a big thing that, 
I, I don't think a lot of people think about is like, yeah, you can be physically fit and everything like that. But whenever you're on those mountainsides and you're walking like with your feet in an angle going up and down, up and down, up and down is it's actually like really daunting on your ankles, your knees, your back. So like th- now that I'm back and that I know that those are areas I'm trying to focus on to actually not hurt physically while I'm over there. And I'm sure you're still going to hurt because now you're going to push yourself to a different level, but it's definitely going to be uh, different. I, uh, you know, I've been on some backpack trips and I tell you what, I did the same thing, man. I, I'm going to get in shape. So I lift some weights. I do a little cardio. I change my diet a little bit. You know, I make my own freeze dried meals. So, you know, I made sure I, everything was primped and ready and perfect. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready, man. I get a mile into this one backpack trip and I was like, I didn't do enough. I mean, I, I mean, it hit me. Like, so when you said that, I felt that I was like, I, I didn't do enough. I didn't drink enough water. I'm not prepared. I 100% was not ready. And I don't get that um, self-doubt very often. But I was already halfway up this mountain. And I'm like, oh, if it the rest of it's like this, I was like, I am going to be hurting. And I'm not going to lie. Brian stuck with me. He stayed behind me. I mean, I would never stopped. Um, you know, I was in the military. So, you know, there's mental toughness. will always keep you going when your body wants to stop. But I would have never stopped. But I told him, I was like, bro, I'm, I'm one step in it until I get up here so I don't pull nothing or hurt nothing. You know, we, we got packs on and everything. And I get to camp and I tell you what, after four or five days of constantly doing that, the walk back, I don't even remember. I was like, man, this is so much easier. Um, and we still had to go up and down mountain ranges, but I was like, this is so much easier just from doing the proper exercise. So now I do stair masters. Um, I don't have hills, but I do have a slight hill here. So I try to do that and like go up it backwards and carry my pack around and it's hot here so you know you sweat a lot so you kind of get used to that and that's one thing I learned was like and Brian laughed at me he's like bro he's like you don't weight lift to come out here he's like, you crazy he's like what are you doing he's like you want to be like like borderline like like malnutrition he's like you want to be as light as possible uh, like, yeah what don't weigh much. Make sure your knees are strong. Uh, while I was over in New Zealand, I got lucky enough. Uh, the taxidermist that we were going through, uh, Coleman Country Taxidermy, uh, his guy Dion. Well, he's the one who owns it. Dion. Uh, he took me out to do a stag hunt. So we went out and hunting, found two stags. I had shot both of them. Uh, so we went. We got them. Now. The entire hike from when we left the camp till we got back at camp was 14 miles. And that's up and down those mountains and everything. And that guy put me to shame. Like, I thought I was in good shape. I thought I could go. I thought I could hike no problem. Trying to keep up with him was, like, impossible. That man, he, like, runs on those hills. And then on the way back, you got those two stag heads on your back with all those antlers and everything. Backpack them out. And it, I mean, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like it's, it it takes some work. Oh, I'm I'm sure, man. I mean, I I couldn't imagine, you know. But I will say, I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, when I look back at the times I went with my grandpa and great grandpa, even when I was young, they were still old. And I look back at those times and look back now, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, for one, I don't know how you dealt with me hunting, you know, be, cracking sticks and all this other stuff. But for two, like, how did you do that at that age? Like, that's just a, a huge role model. 
to want to like look up to because I know some people, man, and whether it's their fault or not, you know, not taking a dig at that injured or sick people, but you know, I know some people that get to those that age and they, you know, they're, they're they can't do that stuff. And you got other people over here, cat, cat walking up the mountain like it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely not a dig at anybody that uh is disabled like that, but like. I mean, well, actually, I, I like I love seeing people like that get out too. Is we had uh, like just people that people that you didn't think would do it coming out and hunting with us, and I mean, we did everything possible to make it easier for them. But just seeing some of the drive people have whenever they're doing something that they love is just incredible to see. And like whenever you have the determination, you can definitely get it done. Not for sure, man. I, I think a lot of people they look too much into. They, well, let's look at. Let me let me rephrase that. I feel like sometimes people uh, look too deep into something. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it's just basic stuff like motivation, being positive, ne- like networking, like we talked about, communicating, being being able to have a relationship or start a relationship with someone, and then just just trying your best in those moments. You know, every every hunt link that I do down here, I always tell the guys, I'm like, look we're hunting like I'm not letting them out of a cage and we're going and killing them. I'm like, we're actually, we're going to be hunting. Uh, we're going to be hunting hard. And if you stick with me and you keep doing it and you keep pushing, I'm like, our chances of success are going to be so high. And if they're not, I'm like, you know what? We'll just have to hit it harder next time. And I tell, I to give everyone that same speech. And sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we're not. And I tell them all the same thing. I'm like, you know what? If we wouldn't have pushed ourselves though, we 100% wouldn't have been successful. I mean, you might as well just call it. Oh, definitely. Um, so, you know, always always push yourself and try. And obviously within Rio, I'm at the age where I'm like, well, I don't want to pull something either because there ain't nothing <laughs> worse than being miles in and having a hurt back. And you're like, well, I got to get this out. And then you kill something. You got to get that out too. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I try to be precautious, but also I try not to be, you know, timid either. You know, you got sometimes you got to jump in their feet first. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, you definitely got to take a little bit of risk whenever you're doing it, but you you don't want to take it too far of a risk that you're going to end up hurting something or breaking something. Cause then you got a whole different problem on your hands. Oh yeah. You thought you were having a hard time then try uh one legging it out of those mountains. <laughs> um, yeah. I, two stiffs wrapped around as your break. I tell as you your what, brace. I, I, I regret always being like, Oh my back, my knees. Cause now my girls, always, she was like, not, you know, just a couple years ago. She's like, you gotta get a satellite phone. Like we're, and then I was like, I will, I will probably had that argument for about a year. And then finally she's like, I'm not asking anymore. Like you either get it or I'm buying it. Um, and I was like, okay, okay. Cause you know, I was like being out in some of these places, like where I, especially where I go in Florida, we'll be out in a spot that you'd never get out. If you hurt yourself, you, you'd have to, oh, yeah. somebody's got to come get you in. There's been times where I've never seen a soul, um, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we, sometimes you see people all over the place and sometimes you don't see a soul. And I've always thought about that when I'm like in a tree stand, I tighten my harness a little tighter because I'm like, you know what, if I got hurt, I haven't seen no one all day. It's getting dark in 30 minutes. I got about a two hour paddle canoe right out of this river and uh, gators, all kinds of stuff out here. And I'm sitting here like, I got to make sure I'm. I'm tip top. <laughs> oh yeah, everything's trying to kill you down where you're at. <laughs> it is. You gotta watch I'm, out for them things. I'm sure. I'm sure New Zealand ain't probably much different. Or is that the island that doesn't have snakes? 
that's actually the island that doesn't have snakes. Oh. No, it has no no predators either. So you really don't have to worry about that while you're out there. Well, you so there's no like looking over your this? shoulder. Really? Nope. Dang. No, I mean, you sh- I'm sure you get out into the ocean, you'll find sharks or right, something. But right, right. But you guys don't. So there's <laughs> there's no bears or anything like that. Nope, nothing like that. That's crazy. I wonder what the native species of New Zealand was. I'm going to end up having to look that up because it sounds like it was pretty desolate. It sounds like it was like paradise with nothing on it and they had to kind of like make it an oasis. Well, from what I understand, it's a pretty young island comparative to the other continents and everything. Uh, So I know they have native birds and everything, but I don't recall any any mammal species that would have been native there. That's wild. I think everything was pretty much introduced, and that's why they don't have any predators. Hmm. That's definitely wild. I mean, do you, now that's a whole that's a whole rabbit hole in itself. How how do they cull these populations just hunting? Uh, the well, the hunting is a big part of it, and actually, at different times, the government will have different coals for different animals. Uh, I mean, a big thing down there is like. There's no hunting seasons, there's no bag limits, anything like that. So a lot of the guys, and especially a lot of the farmers and everything, is they're just going out getting meat whenever they need it. Is They're not waiting for, like we do, like, oh, archery season is this day, or rifle season is this day. They're just like, oh, well, yeah, freezer's getting low, let's go for a walk. Now... I mean, I take it that the density is pretty high. I mean, what, what would you say is kind of like, if if you know this off the top of your head, the percentage like of success out there? Uh, I don't know like, the statistics or anything, but uh, percentage is pretty high. I mean, I don't think while I was there, I don't think we had any clients that uh, actually didn't get their bags. But, I mean, whenever you have your guides out there, I mean, we're out there every day. We're scouting is we kind of know the area that everything's in. We just got to go find it, find what's right, find what suits them and go for that. Okay, I got you. So it kind of makes it easier. Man, I tell you what, it definitely sounds like a, like it'd be a fun hunt for sure. I'm, I'm over here thinking in my head. I'm trying to focus on this podcast. I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, man, I'm going to go tell my girl, like, how bad does she want to go to New Zealand in a couple of years? I'll start, start, putting, start putting back a couple thousand back a year and uh, and make it happen. Start setting pamphlets on the counter and everything like yeah. that. Oh, hey, honey, did you see this wine tasting? I'm going to be like, oh, man, this is one of the best in the world. And, oh, my gosh, it's only 10000 a piece. We could save up for, like, three years and do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, end up taking out, like, a personal loan. <laughs> don't, don't listen to us if you're a listener right now. Don't take out personal loan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I uh, I tell you what, man, I, I've been doing a lot of hunts over the country, and that's that's one thing that – I've been really trying to like hammer into people is like you can do it on any type of even this hunt. Like I've done got myself so much believing in budgets that I'm looking at twenty thousand. I'm like five years, six years of putting back X. Yeah, we can can do that. I'm like I can do that. I'm literally sitting here like man, if I take some Christmas bonuses and and some income tax checks and do this and uh, you know stuff like that. But it definitely sounds fun, man. It definitely sounds like an experience. now, going into your second year here, what would you say, if you could you know, pinpoint it, what would you say is like one of the number one things that you feel more prepared for than you did then? 
Uh, I'd, I'd have to say I'm a lot more prepared. Like, because one thing that uh, one thing people don't kind of don't think about whenever you're doing this, or at least I didn't really think about, is the dealing with people. And now I'm not saying anything bad about them. Our clients while I was there were great, but it's that interaction and making them feel included 24 seven and making sure they're all right. Is it from, from hunting by yourself to going and guiding? Like it's definitely you're well, instead of worrying about yourself, you have somebody else to worry about 10 times more. So that's kind of something that takes a little bit of getting used to because you're walking along thinking, all right, I'm fine. This is fine. And well, back behind you, your guy fell down a hill or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> so sure it's, it happens more more so than not. Yeah, sure. definitely being oriented towards a client is definitely something that I'm a lot more prepared for now. And I mean, it didn't take much to get used to, but it definitely wasn't something I had thought about to begin with. You know what? And and that's a great thing. For you, and I'm saying this in not a negative way. When I always say young, you know, I, I envy it, man. I I took took full advantage of my 20s, also, and um, traveled the world and did everything I wanted to do. And I tell you what, man, I um, I definitely think that is a huge part of guiding. That I think of. I wouldn't say a lot, but I do one of the number one negative things I hear when someone says they went out with a guy. Cause you know, one thing I tell people about the hunting industry or hunting in general, like you really only get one chance. So like, let's say you go on a guided trip um, and it's not a good guided trip. I'm probably most likely going to look at all guides that way. And I know that's an awful way to think and I'm not encouraging that, that thought process, but it's just going to be one of those scare things. If you get bit by a dog, you can't tell me you're going to run up to the next dog and just hug it, you know, out of the blue. Like, you're oh, going to yeah. be a slightly, slightly gun-shy for a minute. Um, now, if that guide obviously steps up and, you know, pulls out that customer service and makes you feel comfortable, that's great. But, you know, with, with guided trips, I always, I've always, i always encouraged any type of guide I've talked to. I'm like, look, I've never went on guided trips, but as a, as a consumer, like as a customer, I know that I don't need someone obviously to cater to me. Like I would always tell if I ever did go on a guy trip, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I can skim my own birds or my own fish or whatever. Um, but you know, that knowledge is what I'm looking for. Like if I go on a guided trip, I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to see, why are you doing this? Why are we walking straight up this stone <laughs> cliff? Like, what's the reason? And because I know there's a reason because we wouldn't, we're not doing it for fun. Um, so I, I know there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. So that's always what I want to learn. But that customer, that's a great thing for you to learn right now because going into your second year, you know, that's going to help with tips. That's going to help with repeat clients. Um, I've always wanted to take a poll and ask guides, like, how, like, what's your retention rate? Like, how many repeats do you get? Um, I've known a lot of people I've met through the industry where they're like, oh, once or whatever. And I'm like, man, that, is, like, that doesn't sound good. I feel like – now, obviously, yours is a little different situation because we're about to drop 25, 30 grand to do something. But – you know, it's one of those things where it's like if you really give someone a great experience, man, I'll be the first one to tell you as a middle class, you know, blue collar worker, like I'm coming back. I'll figure out how to get the money. Oh, yeah. Like if you give me a good experience, we'll figure it out. Like there ain't we don't the kill is extra, man. It's the the getting out there, it's the learning exploring, trying different things, getting out of your comfort zone. No one's in those mountains in their comfort zone, you know. Maybe that old guy <laughs> you were talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, definitely making sure your client is, like, even just, like, joking with them, having a good time, just being personable with them, just makes your experience that much better. 
and that's one thing like you always hate to hear that like somebody goes out on this guided trip they paid whatever and they're like well yeah it's it's it was an okay hunt and this and that and they start going on so it's definitely good whenever you can give them that customer service give them that personality and make them feel like like you're they're your best friend i mean you're having a great hunt and keeping you happy keeping you motivated keeping you going and all that yeah i mean you're not gonna make everybody happy all the time i mean that's just life but i tell you what having that mindset of definitely giving it your all and trying and like you said just kind of you know when it's just you i'm the same way like when i bring people down here like i'm used to walking in 90 degree weather so now i always make sure i get to the back i always make sure i bring extra water for them also and they'll be like oh i got water i'm like i'm bringing some extra i'll throw some mountain ops in it or like a propel or something uh, and you know, almost every single time I've had someone be like, Hey, you got an extra water. I'm like, I sure do buddy. Cause you're not used <laughs> yeah, to, drink. You. you're not used to, I'm like, trust me, bro. Like you're not used to probably drinking like your whole water jug up North, you know, and you come down here and I tell you what, man, I'll sit at the truck sometimes and drink half that thing. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't imagine hunting in the warm weather like that. Yeah, man. You got to like, stay what? watered up. Like, while I was over in New Zealand, it was kind of nice because they were getting ready to get into their winter, so it was kind of their colder months. Now, their climate is absolutely phenomenal. Like, it it is my picture perfect. About the lowest I saw while I was there was about 30 degrees, and apparently they only have a high of, like, 80 degrees. So Mm -hmm. it stays right in that nice range. But being used to... Yeah, being used to the nasty PA winters that we get sometimes, like, uh, well, heck, before Christmas there, it got down to negative 32 degrees with the wind chill. Oh, we were, when you <laughs> when you drove up to Bear Camp, it, we, it snowed for those, I think it snowed the whole time we were at Bear Camp. Oh, yeah, and I mean, so that was kind of nice being used to that, so I went over there, and I'm walking around in a t-shirt and a sweatshirt, like, man, it's warm outside, being like 35 degrees outside. I'll tell you what, it was it was definitely, I didn't think it was warm. I about froze, but I will say that in the mornings, like with this, I'll be honest with you, I got colder when the sun came up and it was daytime than what I did early in the morning, like even when I wasn't walking. Like I'm a very slow walker when I hunt, even in the mornings, like I don't bust through the woods. So um, I, you know, went down into a mountain ravine into some laurels and stuff and was like, oh, a bear's definitely going to be in here. And I was like, oh, I seen all the people driving the roads. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, they're going to push them right to me. Uh, and I, was, I thought I was in the most perfect spot. And I tell you what, man, I was like, oh, this ain't too bad. My pants were wet from the snow. I'm like, this ain't too bad. As soon as that sun came up, man, I was freezing. <laughs> I was freezing cold. One thing I've always noticed here is like during the night, it'll be like, you can't go outside at like three in the morning or four in the morning and be like, all right, so this is going to be the temperature today and dress for that. Because as soon as that sun starts coming up, it always gets colder. I swear. Yeah, it does, man. I, I, I didn't know y'all had the same motto we have in Florida. We got a motto. Uh, when tourists come down, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Um, it's, <laughs> always, it's always changing so quick. Like it'll literally rain in the front yard and not the backyard. I've seen it happen. It's crazy, man. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's like whenever you drive into a wall of rain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so let me ask you here. We're going on, we're hitting close to an hour, about 40, 45 minutes or so. Uh, I'm curious, what would you kind of, um, let me see how I want to word this. 
I mean, if you could... I guess if you could give a piece of advice, because I know this is going to be a question that a lot of people that are listening to this right now are probably thinking, you know, someone's wanting to get into what you got into. Um, I know you kind of went over, you know, what you had done, but what do you kind of recommend if someone does want to either start taking up some guiding or, or travel abroad or even travel to another state to start guiding? I mean, honestly, I the best piece of advice I'd have would be is like get well with networking networking is a big thing getting to know like the area you're going getting to know people around uh like service side was a giant help help for me and just even just boosting my confidence getting used to people and everything like that is going to the shows and all the meets and everything uh that definitely boosts my confidence and i think that really helped me whenever it came to going over and doing something like this and the advice for going to do it is, I mean, if you're passionate about it, if you love what you do, if you love to hunt, if you love to help people succeed in what they want to do, just do it. I mean, there's always, you always have those reserves. You always have those doubts, but if you let that hold you back, you're never going to get there. So kind of just kind of throw yourself into the deep end. And I mean, make sure you're no matter what you're going to be safe. Just go and do it. Follow your dream. Uh, live the passion. Do it how you want to do it. Uh, that's great, man. That's that's definitely great advice. And there's no better advice than someone that is actually doing it. You know, someone that's out there. Um, I loved seeing your stuff on Instagram and and Facebook this year. I'm like, you know, it, it's just so nice seeing uh, you know exotic animals taken abroad. Like it was it was awesome to see the, you know the work that's put into it. I know. I've always heard, you know, it's the same with the high, you know, people always try to throw it into the high fence argument. I think of like, oh, well, if you go abroad, it's easy. And I'm sitting here like, have you seen like that picture when you guys had that goat? And I looked at that mountain range and it was like a straight cliff. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing. There looks nothing easy about that at all. Not even a little bit. Even if you're paying for it, there's nothing. You don't pay someone to carry you. So you still got to get yeah, out I mean, there. It's definitely not easy, but it's definitely so much worth it. And I mean, like, uh, I mean, we've had, we had clients of all different, whether physique ranges and age ranges. And I hope it's different with a lot of the different guys of where, like, we worked with them. We work at their pace, make sure they're all right and making sure we're not pushing them too hard. So we don't want them hurt. We don't want us hurt. We just want everybody to be smooth, good time happy going and hopefully get an animal yeah i mean i, I love seeing it man i'm really excited to see you uh this year and, and see how everything goes especially since you are the type of hunter that kind of takes what he did the previous season and, and goes back to the drawing board and gets himself even more prepared so um, i'm sure you're gonna have a great season i definitely look forward to seeing it for sure so yeah definitely man you gotta i'll keep the pictures coming keep everybody hopefully uh Everybody who can't make it can live vicariously through me for a bit till they can. (laughs) 
Yeah, for sure, man. I'm already, as soon as I get off the phone with this, I'm going to talk to my girl and be like, you ever wanted to go to New Zealand? <laughs> Start scrolling down the list. Look at all these fun things. I'm going to do like what you said. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to like leave my phone. I've got that Z Fold phone, so it like opens up like an iPad. I'm going to just leave that like on the couch. It's super <laughs> bright. Like those pads are super bright. I'm just going to leave it up like the winery thing like you said or the whale watching. <laughs> France Joseph Glacier or something like that. I, I tell you what I'll do. She's been really, really wanting to get married. I'll be like, you know what? Compromise. We'll go ahead and get married. Oh, we'll go and go. get married, but we're taking <laughs> we're taking all that wedding money that you get, and we're going to New Zealand. <laughs> now that's one hell of a honeymoon right there. I like it. I tell you what, yeah, we'll mix and match. I'll be like, I'll be like, and then you'll obviously work it out with you. Where I'll be like, man, you got to be my guide, or you got to be with our crew, whatever. <laughs> oh, definitely, man, definitely. Um, so. <laughs> What I've been doing is you're actually the second episode we've done this year. Um, so kind of started off the year. Um, I did it a little bit last year, but being a little more consistent with it this year. Um, it doesn't have to just be about this episode, but I, we want to leave a takeaway uh, with our audience here. If you could leave one takeaway with just being a hunter in general, uh, whether it be keys to success or things that maybe that secret sauce that you do, what would kind of be a takeaway you could leave to possibly help someone out on their next hunt? I mean, definitely never stop learning. Uh, whether you can learn from different people or like you said of what you did the previous year, just keep learning, always adapt to whatever environment you come to and take whatever you can as quick as you can and learn the best you can. Awesome, man. That's a great takeaway, brother. Well, I tell you what, man, did you have anything else for our uh, listeners here? Oh, no, man. I think that's... I think that's pretty good. I tell you what, what we need to do is we're going to have to work out logistics because of that time difference, but what would be awesome is getting you on one while you're out there. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, here's a little note for you, too. I figured out the easiest way to figure out the time from PA to New Zealand is take whatever time it is in PA and add 16 hours. Okay. So I think... What I think Florida is an hour behind. What time is it for you now? So we're no, we're uh, we're Eastern too. So it's uh, oh, like, you're Eastern uh, too. Almost seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So just add sixteen hours. Sixteen hours. That all right? So we're looking at what is that? Seven is twelve. Uh, that puts us at seven a.m. Uh, seven and six. Four. One o'clock. One o'clock. So it's one o'clock right now. That's that's not that's not the craziest. I mean, you'd be hunting at that time, but it, I, mean, I think we could probably figure something out. Might have to stay up a little. Oh bit. yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Well, Dylan, I definitely appreciate you uh, getting on. I'm hoping, man, next year when you get back, man, we can do a little trout fishing together. Oh hell yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Anything to get out on a stream, get a fly rod out. <laughs> For sure, man. I've been looking at your Instagram. I'm like, man, I should have went up there this year and fly fish. I didn't. I did too many hunts and not enough fishing trips. Hey, will you ever come up, you let me know. I know a lot of good spots around here. Oh, I will, man. Me and uh, me and Dylan Dando and, and uh, Unk have been talking a lot, and they really want to come down here and get on a hog, and I really want to get up there and do some of that awesome fly fishing you guys are on. So we're going to try to do something. Oh, definitely, man. There you go. All right, brother. Well, hey, I appreciate you jumping on, man, and we'll definitely talk again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. You guys are listening to White Tail Theories Podcast.